The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. And I'm joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. World Cup over. Now I'm in that little purgatory of the Mets sucking and waiting. Yeah, this is definitely what they would call the dog days of summer in the sports world. Uh, this is where all your favorite personalities either take vacation or they took like the first part of their vacation like a week ago and then they got to dip again coming up here in the next couple of weeks so yeah it's gonna be pretty uh, if you're not a baseball fan or you know into kind of the tour de france of these fringe activities it's gonna be a, a long month and a half for you until training camp gets going so we're gonna start right off the top with letting you know that you can find know the score on cspn.us so we'll get into the NBA free agency is still going on. Uh, last week, we had a big uh, news uh, drop where the Thunder said they were going to part ways with Carm- Carmelo Anthony this summer, either through a trade or a buyout. They would prefer to trade him if they could and not have to buy him out because that still counts against their salary cap. And Carmelo has a big number going against their salary cap. And it looks like tentatively the Lakers and the Rockets, and it looks more like the Rockets after what the Lakers have done in the past couple of weeks um, are going to be the favorites to acquire Carmelo. So Dwayne, what I want to ask you is, is Carmelo, does he have an inflated sense of himself right now as far as how effective he is in the NBA? Um, He seems like a guy who would be equipped to play power forward in this stage of his career. But I think he still he still sees himself as a small forward, and I don't know if that really fits with a lot of these teams um, going you know that he could play for going forward. So, uh, kind of, what do you think about Carmelo Anthony? What's the best place you think for him to wind up uh, once him and the Thunder part ways? Yeah, he does have a pride issue right now, inflated sense of self. I do think that because. Let's look at the facts. I mean, when the Thunder were on, when the Thunder were playing with all three of these players this season, they struggled immensely. I mean, there was no kind of chemistry. We already had concerns on there's one ball who's going to get it, and this was this was the end result. I mean, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony literally are the same small forward kind of player, so you wouldn't want to put Carmelo at the four, but I think he really is not... I think when he thinks uh, playing the four, you got to be posted up, getting rebounds, boxing out, things of that sort, but this is a different NBA. This is a era where the fours are stretched. He, just, he can still be the same player, but still play 
uh, power forward position. You might run into some traditional power forwards in the meantime on the defensive end, which never has really been his strong suit. But I would like to say that it is an inflated sense of self, I think. He's got to realize that he's not the same guy that he was once in Denver or even the first few years in New York when he was the toast of the town. It's hard to let that go. I mean, you look at his counterparts, his peers, look at LeBron James. LeBron is virtually the same age, the same amount of years as Melo, and he's still the best player in the game. So I think when you look at that, when you look at that kind of um, situation, it is an ego thing. It is a matter of, hey, do I do I give myself up for the gooder, the better of the team, or do I just, you know, continue to be prideful and keep doing what I'm doing now? Or the question of does he go to where does he land? I think Houston's probably the likeliest of destinations for him. I mean, they need a small forward at this point. A reason's gone. Lugumba Mute is gone. And they're going to need somebody to fill that that uh, shoes. But it's going to once again be, you know, who's going to get the ball? Him or James Harden? And if he has enough sense of self to defer to Harden, then that would probably be the best thing and let Chris Paul do the point guard things that he does. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, if Oklahoma City does want to get rid of the contract, uh, probably the only thing they could probably get out of that is taking that albatross of the contract and then Ryan Anderson and Maybe buying him out, paying him out. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna, Sam Presti's done some genius things over the last uh, during his tenure in Oklahoma City. So we'll see what magic he can pull out of this one. All right. In some surprising free agent news, we had Tony Parker sign a free agent deal with the Charlotte Hornets. So this basically signals one thing to me: he's about to retire. Because the Hornets is a place where guys go at the very end of their career. It's not really a place where high-level free agents go. It's a place to settle down if you got kids and family and slow down in life. So as far as basketball goes, how does this help or hurt the Hornets? I mean, they've been playing the last six or seven seasons with a sub-six-foot point guard in Kemba Walker or maybe right at six-foot point guard at Kemba Walker. And now you add another one in Tony Parker. So... Um, basketball-wise, how does this help the Hornets? Well, this helps the Hornets because this this was really a move because look who is the Hornets head coach now, James Borrego. Where did James Borrego come from? San Antonio. You have that connection right there. I think this will probably be one of those transitional kind of roles for Tony Parker. Uh, he's going to definitely be coming off the bench. He's okay with that. Uh, Kemba Walker is his team pretty much, and and Tony is aware of that. I think you have a lot of loaded, you, you have a lot of loaded players at that position. Uh, you know, you did get Devontae Graham in the second round. 
of the draft out of Kansas. Uh, you have a lot of uh, good guard guard play, Malik Monk. Um, so it's a lot going on in Charlotte in terms of the in terms of the uh, roster. But this move was strictly two things: one, um, the familiarity with Barrigo, and then two, the fact that he gets to uh, play alongside his countryman Nick Batum. I think Tony will bring that championship experience and that and that you know competition to the Hornets. I think he'll give this young team some good veteran presence, but strictly a move where he had familiarity and you know the Spurs pretty much just trying to move in a different direction. This was the best move for for Tony and. You know, end of an era in San Antonio. Yeah, um, I know this is. A, I'm gonna make this analogy. There's this thing in football they used to call them Parcells guys, and what they were were they were a group of guys: Brian Cox, Keith Jackson, uh, a couple of other guys that went with him everywhere he went. When he went to the Jets, he went. They came to the Jets. When he went to the Patriots, he, they came to the Patriots. And what they were were they were the guys inside the locker room who were gonna kind of get everybody else on board and be the buffer on how they do things like okay you know when bill acts like this this is what he's trying to get through you you know those guys to kind of be the buffer and i think that's what tony park is going to be for the new coach there in charlotte the guy to kind of you know be the go-between to say hey you know this is what he's used to this is you know this is what he's looking for when he says this and you know this is kind of how how it works and operates and kind of help everybody have that smooth transition. So when you look at it like that, he's probably going to be more of like an assistant coach kind of liaison and, you know, part-time backup. So, you know, maybe this may be his, you know, way to get into being an assistant coach as well. Agreed. Our next bit of news had Jimmy Butler turning down a four-year, $100 million extension from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Of course, last week we reported that he's unhappy uh, with the situation there, it seems like him and Carl Anthony Towns are at loggerheads about, you know, which direction the team needs to go. So Jimmy Butler's trying to, you know, find his way up out of Minnesota. So he is basically playing on a one-year deal. Um, we don't know. Minnesota has been kind of quiet. We haven't heard any trade rumors or anything as of yet from them. So the next move will be for Jimmy Butler to decide if he's going to show up to training camp or not or, you know, play out his deal. So what do you what does the future hold for Jimmy Butler in your eyes? I know that him and Kyrie have kind of had visions of trying to join up together. We talked about that last week. But uh what do you think would be the best move for Jimmy Butler? Should he just go ahead and play and you know finish out his deal or do you think he should try to force a trade and you know expedite things to get out of Minnesota? I think you should probably find something to get him out of there only because, you know, you don't want to go into another season where your two top guys are going to get one another and, and your third guy is probably just sitting there just waiting in the wings and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you really want to just get – this is a team that uh, I think when Jimmy came in probably thought, hey, I'm, re- I'm back with Tibbs, I'm back with – back with a coach that I'm familiar with that I love and care about but this isn't the same this isn't the team that I ran in Chicago 
So in this case, what Jimmy Butler needs to do is probably either be a professional and take this one year and just make the most of it in a contract year uh, without trying to ruin uh, what the Wolves are trying to build. Or you end up, you know, just trying to get away out. And if I'm the Wolves, I would get, I would try to find a deal, you know, see what Boston's offering. I mean, if they, if Butler wants to hook up with Kyrie, I mean, you would have uh, pretty much a lineup of Irving, Butler, Hayward, Tatum, and Horford. In the New East, that could get some things done. Right, exactly. So, this is, it would be a good move, you know, to see how the one year goes out in Boston. But I think that at the end of the day, right now in the current environment, there's nothing beneficial for Minnesota. Try to get these two guys on the same page and tell them, hey, for this that one year, let's at least make it work. Let's get back to the playoffs. Let's build off what we did last season and, and uh, go from there. But I think even after that one year, Butler will be gone. They'll once again be Towns' team. And we'll see who is able to come in and join up with them. All right. Isaiah Thomas, formerly of the Los Angeles Lakers, Cleveland Cavaliers, and Boston Celtics in two seasons, signed a one-year, $2 million deal with the Nuggets. So a guy who literally said on TV, Two years ago, they're going to have to back up the Brinks. Uh, now had to sign for the veteran minimum. So he's basically taking a chance on himself. Next year, everybody's saying there's going to be the money and free agency is going to be there next year. So he's you know, going to go out in Denver and, and try to reestablish himself. Uh, do you believe in Isaiah Thomas and him being able to get his career back on track? Do you feel confident that Isaiah Thomas will be uh, be able to cash in during next year's free agency class. Now, anybody knows me knows I got a, I got a nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of Isaiah Thomas. I love what he did in Boston. I love that sensational season he had, and the toughness that he brings. Uh, it's really going to depend on how his hip holds up, and how he will be able to play defense. There's going to be a lot of things going on in that area. Uh, well, I think he puts up those numbers again. Probably not. Uh, you got a lot of pieces in Denver that are looking very, very nice and with a new look and everything. It's going to be pretty hard to be that guy. So I don't think he's going to get that big payday, that superstar payday like he probably would have. But he's gonna, he might get something out of it. All right. And the Nuggets, they made some more moves as they parted with Kenneth Reed, and he got traded to the Nets. So they got a chance to dump um, some salary um, by getting rid of Fareed. Uh, that's the end of an era out there in, in Denver. You know, he's the you know ultimate, you know, self-made, hard work player. But um, unfortunately, it seemed like, I don't know if they kind of stopped featuring him as much, but when he got his big contract, it seemed like he, you know, became less of a factor 
out there in Denver. So um, in next year's future, the Nets seem to be looking like they're actually trying to, you know, put together a pretty decent team, at least a team that won't be, you know, just dead last awful next year. So um, how do you feel uh, Kennifer Reed will fare in the East? This will be his first time uh, coming over here uh, in the East. Um, I guess it will work out. I'm not really not still impressed by the Nets. Uh, they got a couple of nice players out there, but nothing to the sort where I, I can even say, wow, they're going to be in fourth place in the Atlantic. I think that's, they'll still be in last in the Atlantic, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. But it looks like they're still taking on heavy salaries at all costs, though, still. And finally... Jabari Parker, he leaves the Milwaukee Bucks to sign a two-year, $40 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. Um, Jabari Parker is probably one of these players who um, health has probably robbed us of seeing what he could truly be. Um, You know, he hasn't really played, I think, but one season where he played a majority of the games. Um, He's stepping away from the Greek freak and going to set out here in Chicago with this young team, Zach Levine, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., and now you add Jabari Parker. So what do you think his role with the Bulls is going to be and uh, kind of your outlook? Do you see him putting up numbers, or is he going to kind of just be a role player? I think he's going to put up some good numbers. He's going to be home. He's back in Chicago. And I think he he can reinvent himself like another uh, Duke player did with who was a great talent, but injuries robbed him of that talent. But he reinvented his game, and that's Grant Hill. So I think Jabari Parker can do the same thing in Chicago. Uh, Looks like we'll have another Chicago renaissance with another kid from Chicago playing for the Bulls. And I like it. I really do. I think it's a good move for him, a good move for the team. And we'll see how things go when – when he goes up to play Milwaukee and shows the Bucks why they shouldn't uh, pull that off at the one. All right, all right. So again, uh, just a few, uh, you know, a few more uh, smaller pieces out there left in free agency. Um, the biggest thing still is we're waiting on the Kawhi Leonard something to happen in the Kawhi, in the Kawhi Leonard situation. Uh, there's been radio silence here since uh, he met with Popovich, and you know LeBron went to. Uh, the Lakers and Paul George stayed at OKC. So, um, you know, there was that one thing where it was the report was that they were asking for like Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, <laughs> and tooth draft picks for uh, Kawhi. You know, start high. It's a negotiation. That's why they call it negotiations, right? Right. So, um, just kind of uh, whatever you've heard the scuttlebutt around, you know, your circles. Um, do you think something gets done with Kawhi or do you think it's another situation where, um, you know, he may have to be professional and just kind of play this out? Or do you think that he would actually just be like, Hey, I'm not coming. Well, he probably would be the type to say, Hey, I'm not coming. I mean, you know, there's nothing for him to gain, you know, in terms of, I said $219 million, but I don't even think that's worth enough for him to want to stay in San Antonio. What I do think also 
is I think he wants to be the alpha dog, and I don't think he wants to play sidekicks of LeBron with the Lakers. So don't be surprised if he wants to go to the Clippers and have his own L.A. team. And what, what, imagine those battle of L.A. between, between uh, Kawhi and LeBron if that was to happen. But it's kind of like who do the Clippers have? They don't have DeAndre Jordan anymore. He's gone. They don't have Blake Griffin. He's gone. They could probably maybe put Tobias Harris and three other players, maybe their draft pick from this year. Yeah. The draft pick next year. Yeah. Gildas Alexander. Yeah. Maybe throw in somebody else, but I just don't see. I think Kawhi's probably going to just either stay and throw a temper tantrum and sit out, or he's going to man up and play. So we'll just have to wait and see. All right. All right. So that's the. NBA free agency talk for the past couple for about the last 10 days or so. Just a reminder that this is Know the Score. Know the Score can be downloaded on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. So now we're going to transition into the World Cup. When we last left you, England and Colombia were in their the final match there of the uh, knockout stage and England advances on penalty kicks, which had been the bane of their um, tournament existence the past, you know, several major tournaments. And they finally, you know, knocked down that door and they advanced to the quarterfinals. So the matchups were France versus Uruguay, where France dominated with a 2-0 victory. Belgium defeated Brazil 2-1 in a highly anticipated game that had a lot of good action. Uh, Belgium scored two goals back-to-back and then survived as Brazil tried to make a furious comeback, but just ran out of time. England, uh, still riding the high of that win over Colombia on penalty kicks, beat Sweden 2 to nothing, And in the most dramatic game of the quarterfinals, Croatia defeated the home country, Russia, in penalty kicks. So uh, what stood out to you here in the quarterfinals? Um France was just so dominant in their game. Um, England as well. Uh, they seem to have the easier of the, uh, you know, the four games that were played. Those two squads had the easier of the two matchups. But um, from your more well-trained eye when it comes to the soccer pitch, uh, what stood out to you in the quarterfinals? Um, for me, it was more of Belgium's attack on Brazil. Uh, I think they're, the way they attacked Brazil and then they played defense in that game was phenomenal because there was a lot of uh, comeback attempts by the Brazilians. And for Belgium to not just play passive and just settle for, you know, hey, we're we're just here to win. They're just here to, you know, get a good position in the World Cup. I would also say that in the quarterfinal round two, uh, you know, Russia did all they could in the uh, quarterfinal. This was a team that was again, not that in the first round, but they proved a lot of people wrong in that sentiment. And so, yeah, it was a very good first round overall. I, I came out of it. I came out of it with uh, – uh, pretty good. What's the word I'm looking for? 
pretty good thoughts of it. It was a very a lot of good games, a lot of great action, and it was just on to the semis for the final four. Right. So in that semi, the first semifinal matchup, we had France defeat Belgium one nil as France scored early and then they tucked it in and played back. They really didn't try to attack Belgium uh, much in the second half. They just kind of absorbed all their runs and choked Belgium out one to nothing. And then in the game of all games of this World Cup, maybe Croatia defeated England two to one in like the very last seconds of extra time to advance to their first ever World Cup final. Um, I start with Croatia and England. I thought that uh, this was going to be an England and France final. I was like, man, this is going to be fitting. These are the two best teams that have played the best in this tournament. Maybe not the two best teams in the world, but they played the best in this tournament. But Croatia said, uh-uh, not so fast, my friend. Um, it seemed like as the game got longer, Croatia got sharper, and England seemed to maybe have some mental fatigue to go along with their physical fatigue. So um, uh, just talk about uh, Croatia and, and just how they were able to withstand, um, you know, England and, and, and how well they had been playing. And, and Harry Kane especially, he, was, he wasn't really effective in this game. I would say that. I would say that, you know, this was a very thrilling game. I thought, I, I think England just did, I think England overthought things and they thought, you know, they could get into penalties and have enough confidence in their guys to win. And it ended up backfiring on them. And, and now, now we got Croatia in the final. The. The goal that was demoralizing is kind of hard to recover from that point, even though you had time in extra time to try to make a top a comeback. But you know, when you when you're demoralized like that, it's kind of hard to come back from anything. And, and it was just a bad, just a bad, bad day, you know. Now, over in our other matchup, France defeated Belgium one another. Remember how we talked about sometimes when you get these really good teams, they, when they play each other, that if one team scores kind of early in the game, they kind of pack it in and don't do much? Well, that was this game right here in a nutshell. Um, Belgium really couldn't get anything. Every time they got something going forward, there were so many people back there, they couldn't find any space, any holes for, for those good runs like they had against Brazil. Um, so just talk about France's tactics. Um, it didn't make for an entertaining game, but you know it got the job done. Yeah, I was about to say just because it wasn't flashy or didn't score any goals, it does not mean it was not effective. And uh, you know, I wanted Belgium to win. I thought this game was pretty much the World Cup title game. Uh, if you really looked at it, this was probably two of the hottest teams in the tournament. I think the three best teams. In the tournament, where three of the four were in there, uh, Croatia earned their way in there. Don't get me wrong; they deserve to to have been where they got to. But this this match was was really for for it all, and I think that France just France did enough to get the W, and you know to continue to win and. And 
you know, Belgium, I think they really wanted, they wanted that final, but they just ran into a team that was the best team in this tournament. Uh, even when they didn't look at their very best, they were definitely the best team in this tournament, no doubt about it. All right, and that brings us to the World Cup Finals. France defeat Croatia 4-2. This is France's second World Cup victory. They won their first ever World Cup in 1998. Uh, the young phenom Mbappe becomes the first teenager to score in a World Cup final since the great Pele. Um, what's my man, Pragba? Paul Pogba. Yes, he uh, he got a uh, he got a goal in the final, so you know he had a, a kind of a rough tournament. He didn't perform up to you know his expectations, but it was good to see him uh, score there in the finals. Um, you know they got out. France did to a three-one lead. Croatia got one back, and then France got that topper. Uh, and then from then on, the last about eight minutes, you know, it was just waiting for that time to run down. So. Is Mbappe the next great super duper duper star? Is he going to take the mantle away from Ronaldo and 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 Messi? It, you know he's only nineteen, so he's still got some you know maturity to go through and things like that. But starting as of today, the world is at his feet when it comes to the soccer world. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Yara plays on a Yara plays on a world class uh, uh, squad anyway. So the fact that you know, if he's going to be a big star, he already is a big star to many soccer fans. Uh, this was just his uh, introduction to the rest of the world. I mean, this is Neymar's teammate in Paris for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, so, um, you know, PSG is probably one of the top, if not the top, well, they're the top team in France. I mean, they... They run League One, and then and then they are frequent uh, visitors to the Champions League, and you know now just the world got to see, you know how special this kid really is. And now he may, if Neymar does depart PSG for say or Real Madrid, which would really infuriate the Barca contingent, but let's just say if he does leave. That's definitely going to be uh, Kylan's team. I love his style of play. He's very aggressive, uh, very reminiscent of Pele. He has great teammates around him, uh, something that, you know, Messi and Ronaldo never really got around them, I think, if you really want to look at it. Um, we actually got to see a generational talent in a World Cup final, two generational talents, if you want to put Paul Pogba up there too, uh, go to World Cup, win the World Cup final, along with all the other accomplishments they made in their career. Hats off to France, uh, first World Cup in 20 years, and this is uh, for them. When I was really, really heavy into soccer, I always enjoyed the Italian leagues and the Spanish league much more than English Premier because I felt like the players who had some style and had some flair were able to show it more in those leagues than maybe in the Premier League. And so for him to be out there playing in Spain, yeah, it's just going to allow him to, you know, do all the stuff he can do and wants to do on the pitch 
and you know definitely show his talents to the utmost so you know i can't wait to see what you know next world cup season when he gets you know stronger and smarter um and then you know his mind you know gets catches up with his physical talent man it could be something really scary indeed i agree i think that this was one of those this was one of those times where you really get to see what a man is made of and you know this is a 19 year old man amongst boys England's Harry Kane was named the Golden Boot, meaning that he was the best player in this World Cup tournament. So let's just talk about Harry Kane. Uh, you know, he's been the man for England the past, you know, few World Championship matches, but he finally kind of put it all together for everybody to see. And, uh, you know, so I think he, even though he's disappointed with his, you know, the team wise, I think that when he sits down and looks back at this on an individual level, I think that he will be very um, proud of of what he accomplished in this year's World Cup. Absolutely. I think that Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in the world. Uh, He shows it every week in the Premier League, and he did it in the World Cup for England as well. Um, And especially in the the round-robin stage, but he came up came up with the goal in this uh, in the in the, in the penalty kit in the penalties he had the first one that England scored he he scored it yeah. against Colombia yeah and he was a perfect captain he was a great captain for for uh, England I think after England lost too I think on England lost in that uh, to Croatia. I think at that point everybody was just checked out, ready to go because they nobody showed up to that third place game <laughs> right. against Belgium. Right, right, right. So, um, one of the best. Everybody's saying this is maybe one of the best World Cups you know that we've had in in our generation. Um, I probably go back to the one that was here in the United States. What was that? Ninety six. Ninety four. Okay, ninety four. That's kind of like my first kind of like, oh, this is a thing. And so um, I thought the 1998 one was really good when France won for the first time. I really enjoyed that that year. But um, at least for the you know 2000s, this may be as far as competitiveness and games going down to the wire and drama and things like that. Yeah, this definitely may be the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I think love. I think the one in Brazil just four years back was better than this one. Really? But yeah, I think atmosphere. Atmosphere. Gameplay, watching the host get blasted by Germany—that <laughs> was a fun. That was a fun World Cup. That really was. I think that really rejuvenated for me. It really rejuvenated my interest in soccer. Was that World Cup? And so it really was an entertaining one. But I did love the '94 one because it was on our soil. It also led to the birth of Major League Soccer, how all the teams would be established and constructed. And, you know, it started out as 10 teams and soon to expand to almost 28 or 26, 28 uh, by next year when Cincinnati and Nashville come into play. Yeah, yeah. It all started back in 1994. 
So at this point, just want to let everybody know that this episode of Know the Score is being brought to you by Amazon.com. Right now, we're in the middle of Amazon Prime Days, so this is a perfect time to support the CSPN and all the podcasts here on the network. All you have to do is go to CSPN.us, click on the menu tab, scroll down to where it says help keep the podcast free, click on that tab, and then the first link you'll get to will take you to Amazon, and if you're an Amazon Prime member, rack up, rack up on all of those deals and help keep the know the score and all the podcasts here on CSPN free each and every week. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Prime day. Our final uh, bit this week, segment this week is going to be on Major League Baseball as we're headed into the all-star break, uh, the halfway marker of the season supposedly you know not necessarily by games played but by the calendar and i always peruse the standings i usually do it at late uh memorial day then i peruse them on fourth of july and then i look at them again at the all-star break and then i don't look at them again until labor day so what happens is when i looked at them at the fourth of july the braves we're still out front of the NL East. They had about a three and a half game working margin. They seem to be, you know, keeping pace with the Phillies. But in the two weeks since then, the upstart Phillies have jumped in front of the Braves. And now they lead the NL East. And both teams are out front of the defending National League East champions, the Washington Nationals. So my question to you, Dwayne, I know that the Mets are down there in last place. You know, not doing four, much. Four. Oh, four. Excuse me, the four, Marlins. Four. Sorry, sorry. Forgot the Marlins existed. Yes. I know so you bad. don't so care about any of these two teams. No, I don't. But if you had to, if I, you know, put your feet to the fire, who do you believe uh, in more, the Phillies or the Braves? So it's one of those things where I have to choose wisely because if I say one fan base, fan base may have pitchforks in my mentions. So, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, what am I going to go with? That's a toss-up. <laughs> I will have to go with. I'm gonna go with the Phillies. Okay. That's for the that's the safe side. I think the Phillies have a more complete offense. They have a great defense, and they play well. They manage the game well. And it's always good. It's always good. I think this this was. I mean we. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Renaissance to Philly sports. Eagles won the Super Bowl finally. The the um, Sixers trusted the process of Eastern Conference semifinals. Got in on the last play of the season. Last day of the NHL season. And now the are in first place. So I don't think the Braves are going anywhere. I think the Braves are extremely talented. They have a very good squad over there. 
my guess would be the Phillies. I'll pick whoever wins that league. All right. Over in the American League East, we have the Boston Red Sox, who are on pace to set a new record for wins. They've got 68 wins right here at the All-Star break. They're playing almost 700 baseball. They've actually uh, separated themselves from the Yankees a little bit. The Yankees were also playing close to 700 baseball for most of this uh, early part of the season. So talk about the Boston Red Sox. Are they the favorites to uh, dethrone the Houston Astros and uh, play in this year's World Series? Um, I think they have what they have what it takes. To unseat the Yankees is going to be a very tough order, but it can be done. It really can. Yeah, they man, uh, Mookie Betts is playing out of his mind. Yeah. Um, you know, he's gonna be in the MVP talk this year for sure. Um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he's just having a breakout season. Um, you know, Dustin Pedroia, um, looks like he may be headed towards retirement. He tried to come back, and they kind of have a Kawhi Leonard situation going on with him where the team may have rushed him back and he wasn't comfortable. so He's going to go back to Arizona, and that may be it for him. But, you know, that hasn't really uh, served as a distraction for Boston. They've just been rolling, man, and uh, they're very entertaining to watch. they got a bunch of young players who love to play, and they play hard. So anytime right. you see Boston on TV, man, you guys should watch it because they're very entertaining, especially if Chris Sale is pitching. Man, right. he is. Whew, he is rough. Lights <laughs> out. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, also, in the American League East, one of the uh, also rans in the division, the Baltimore Orioles, looks like they're getting closer to coming to the the real, uh, coming closer to trading their uh, you know best player on their team, Manny Machado, so he doesn't just walk in free agency and they get left high and dry. Um, it looks like a, uh, you know a lot of teams are going to be in the running for Manny Machado. But do you have a team that you could think of right offhand that could use a power hitting third baseman that maybe is in the wild card hunt or just outside of a division race? Um, let's see. I would have to say that there are teams that are, you know, either trying to defend their title, trying to regain it, the title, trying to win for the excuse me for the first time since nineteen. 90 insert year, year last team's kind of here. And I want to just check some things out because this is very, very to the situation. Okay, so yeah, I think probably the, the best suitors, the best, the team that has the best prospects right now are the New York Yankees. But I don't think the Yankees want to part ways. Excuse me, with the entire farm system for Manny Machado. But, you know, if Phil was George Steinbrenner, he probably would have thrown everything at the kitchen sink at the Orioles to, to uh, go from there. I mean, even. Steinbrenner has called this quit. And 
probably the best suited place for Manny Machado would be the Yankees, as much as I hate to say that. They have the best trade assets for him. I think that any dynamic power hitting uh, third baseman will change the game. And I hope that, you know, this works out. Now, how about this? There's a team in New York that wears orange and blue. Their longtime third baseman, you know, basically is going to retire after this year. You can't give it, you can't go anymore. They got a bunch of guys over there in the farm system, some arms. The Orioles need some arms. They got some guys that are kind of maybe still good, but maybe not, you know, they're getting worn out there. Welcome in New York. What about, I think the Mets could put something together and, and grab Manny Machado. Well, the Mets got their own headaches right now in terms of trying to keep their ace, Jacob DeGrom. And, you know, Jacob DeGrom, his agent essentially said, I pay him what we deserve or what we see in that trade. So, I don't even know where that's going to go. I think we need to... What am I, I going to try to say? We are needing for... Take care of your house, in-house first before you start looking outside. Exactly, that's it right there. <laughs> all right, all right. And as a uh, when you guys hear this, the All-Star Game will be taking place later on tonight. Uh, first up, though, is the Home Run Derby. So, Dwayne, do you have any Home Run Derby memories or All-Star Game memories that stand out to you? Oh, man. Home Run, home run Derby tonight makes me remember when Kid Griffey Jr. hit that home run into the warehouse in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first year that they brought it back too, yeah. the home run derby for the uh, All Star game, in Camden Yards that year. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, the great I, I saw the he was the only person to win the home run derby three times. Wow. Yeah, trademark backwards hat, and that 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 just built for hitting balls out of the ballpark swing, man. It was. Um, my home run derby memory probably would be the Boston one when Sosa and Maguire had the, the big duel when they were in the middle of their, you know, their season and they came up and, you know, everybody was just focused on just how many could they hit and they didn't disappoint and all-star game. Oh man. Uh, I probably didn't get any better than 1986 when Doc Gooden and Roger Clemens were young and could throw as hard as they needed to whenever they needed to. And they just zeroed the best hitters in the game for the first three innings. Oh, man. And uh, Houston, that was one of the best all-star game memories. And then uh, in Anaheim, when Bo Jackson led off the game with a home run, and then he robbed a home run and ran up the wall. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, I want to say home run derby, 93. I also want to say when, um, and happier Mets times when uh, Harvey was able to start the All-Star game at City uh, Field to the National League. It was lights out. And it, was, it was just it's hard to see someone who is an All-Star talent. You hate to hear that things went south and 
Definitely the same problem, yeah. Yeah, man. Matt Harvey is one of the biggest, like, you know, grand opening, grand closing uh, cases in all of baseball, man. I mean, it, his star was so bright, and maybe it just burnt out, you know? Right. Laying down along with his arm. <laughs> but, yeah, for that brief moment in time, man, yeah, he was a toast of the town, and, and that was probably the peak right there, that all-star game that he started. So... Yeah, man. So I'm still a big mark for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's watered down because they got interleague and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, depending on how a series fall, you know, you sometimes the ace doesn't go up against, you know, a team with really good hitters sometimes. So, you know, and then to see it so concentrated, you know, like how are these guys in the National League going to hit Chris Sale? Like, they're not. But it's going to be cool to watch, you know, the best hitters in the world just shake their head going back to the plate like, this dude is amazing. Right. So, always got time for the All-Star game. I do. So, I'll be definitely checking that out tomorrow night. You'll be seeing me tweet about it for sure. So, Dwayne, at this point, man, I'm going to open it up to you for your final thoughts. Thank yous. Shout outs. Um, Thank you to my family. Thank you to my friends, and a big thank you to the listeners, and that's it. That's pretty much it. I don't have much um, final thoughts, just uh, continue to love and support our black women, continue to love and support one another, and only continue to love God of the day are you and if you don't take care of you who else will and just keep your head up stay positive if god puts you to it he'll put you through it all right my final thought will be that uh this weekend coming up starting on thursday we'll be headed over the pond to play the british open i really love watching lynx golf um, we're going back to turnberry the place where john Vel- john vandeville I had the historic meltdown and blew the open championship that was destined to be his. Um, Hopefully I'm looking for my man, Tiger Woods to, um, uh, um, I want to say um, build on his final two rounds that he had in the last tournament that uh, he played in where he started to put really well. So if he can kind of keep his tee shots straight, like they've been so far this season and now his putter comes around it could be something special. Um, he does play very well in link style golf. So hopefully that does translate. And now that he's got his uh, confidence back and uh, he's playing well, uh, maybe he can uh, bring the Claret Jug back over to the United States. So I'll be looking, uh, watching Tiger intently. And I hope he makes the cut and puts some pressure on this guy and makes something happen on Sunday. So uh, good luck to Tiger Woods in the US Open. And on that note, for the Libra icon Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.